Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Before I get started, I wanted to take a second to honor my father. I don't take it lightly that you allow me to stand in your place up here. I was raised by two perfect parents. Uh, It's just some great people. 35 years, I've never seen my dad say one crossword to my mom or one cross, never seen my mom say one crossword about my dad. It's, uh, so for me to stand up here, I actually get to know that uh, I'm half the man that your pastor is. You guys are really blessed with a great pastor. Obviously, Brandon's the same way, but thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk to your people today. I told Chris yesterday, I said, I get to say whatever I want because you can't run me out of town. I already have a ticket to get out um, on Tuesday. So I guess let's just dive into the word. Um, Today I'm going to speak on do what you can. Do what you can. So let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 43, verses 12 and 13. You have it up there. She says, this is the law of the temple. All the surrounding area on top of the mountain will be most holy. Such is the law of the temple. Some translations say the law of the house. These are the the measurements of the altar in long cubits, that being a cubit and a handbreadth. A cubit and a handbreadth. Isn't that just so good? It just retouches my soul. The cubit. Have you heard that term, the cubit, before? The cubit? The cubit, described by Google, is six handbreadths. That makes sense, doesn't it? Does that make, so that makes it a little easier to read, right? This is the law of the temple. And the surrounding area on the top will be most holy. Such is the law of the temple. Measurements are a long cubit and an extra hand breath. There we go. Let's pray and get out of here. It's been good. It's been good. Jewish rabbis teach still today, and they taught this back in the day, that the cubit is the length of an arm, and they call that the mother of the arm. So, maybe I should explain this to you. The cubit is six handbreadths. What is a handbreadth? Anybody know? Yeah, you know. Yes. So, every, this is going to be class participation. Raise your hand and fold your thumb over. At the the handbreadth is from the distance from here to here on every person's hand. So, a cubit is six handbreadths. Okay, and where you start, back in the day, they didn't have tape measures, right? They didn't have a a universal way to measure things, so they used the cubit. And so if you take your your hand breath and you start at the crease of your elbow, okay, try this out, and count down. You got one, 
two, three, let me put the mic down, four, five, six. So does that, does it end up being to the end of your fingertips? Try it right from your, unless you have an, an unusually awkward long arm or fat hands, that should be from the crease of your elbow to the end of your finger is six hand breaths. Six hand, that's one cubit. So you hear the story of like Noah making the ark and uh, God sent him the directions with a cubit, okay? And oddly, so we've measured it and checked it out. It's like almost, every, almost everyone's, even short people, arm from here to here is the same. It's like, you know, it's like this much difference maybe. And so Noah uh, measured the ark with measuring cubits. Uh, there's another guy that in the Bible, they talked about a giant, right? And his bed was nine cubits long, okay? And you, you see cubits all over because they didn't have tape measures. And I'm sure that they would have went with like the stupid metric system to start. So I'm glad they didn't do that. I still can't figure out kilometers versus miles. But anyway, so... The, the Jewish rabbis teach that this is the mother of the arm. This is the part of the arm that gives birth, right? You've seen uh, things be invented and built, right? This is called the mother of the arm. And um, we have built homes and towns. We've built things like duct tape. Like, how does that even come to be, right? I go to the store. I use duct tape for everything. So it took... If you think about how we create things and how we've learned things, it took 1,500 years from the time of Jesus to the time of Leonardo da Vinci for knowledge to double. Then it only took 250 years after that for knowledge to double. Then every 50 years, knowledge was doubling. By the 1960s, every 10 years, the world knew twice as much as it did. In the 1980s, every two years with the invention of computers, we knew twice as much as we did two years prior. In the 1990s, it took 18 months. By the 2000s, when I was in high school, we would take six months to learn twice as much as we did. In the latest study that came out here recently, every three months, the world knows twice as much as it did three months ago. That is a tribute to the cubit of the man's hand, the mother of the arm, giving birth to things. We moved down to Florida, and we've, one of the coolest things we get to see is we get to watch rockets shoot up into space. My kids are just amazed, like, where's that going? You know, it's like, not going to Walmart. Uh, <laughs> if it did, it wouldn't find a stinking parking place. I know that. It could maybe park in the handicap, the 15 handicap sections in the front. But I'm just on my high, ho on my high horse here, I guess. Man dreams it, and the hands go to creating and building with the cubit of the man's hand. We created fire, then the wheel. Now we can read your DNA. <laughs> we could split atoms, send rockets into space. We create electronics, cars. You know, it's funny. I can fix a car by Googling or YouTubing something. So nothing from in here or with this fixes it. I search it on YouTube, and I can fix it. We have a thing on our phone called Siri. 
who invented, whoever, who dreamed up the idea that they're going to have a woman control the world, <laughs> right? And they're like, man. Tells you what to do. If you don't have Siri, you might have Alexa. We still couldn't figure it out, couldn't get a man to do anything. I'm convinced Google's a woman, too, because I ask her and she tells me. We dream it, and the, man, the cubit of a man hand build it. So we're going to ra- unravel this for a second. We have six hand breaths equals one cubit. Six hand breaths equals one cubit. Now, the number of six in the Bible represents the number of man, the number of man. If you go through the Bible, you'll see numbers everywhere and things that you didn't really understand or realize that was in there you know, for us to try to figure out. We figure things out, and then God's like, good job. You know, like he's creating all this stuff. Number six is the number of man. Six days you shall work on the seventh. It's the holy day. It's the Lord's day. Six is the number of man. Number seven in the Bible is the number of God, represented the number of God. Number seven, like when I work out with Chuck, he's like, bro, you got to get seven. You You can't end on six, right? You can't go to six. You can't go over seven. It's uh, the number uh, seven also means the number of completed work. In Revelation, the, the Bible talks about the seven churches, the seven angels, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven stars. Number seven is pretty important. And so we talk about Ezekiel chapter 43, and it says, These, This is the law of the temple. All the surrounding area on top of the mountain will be most holy. Then he reiterates it with, such is the law of the temple. This is prior to Jesus coming. And we all know and we've all heard that you are the church and you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you can put yourself in there. This is the law of God's house in your heart. These are the measurements of the altar and long cubits. That a cubit, that being a cubit and a hand breath. So you have six hand breaths, but you've got to add one hand breath. So for God's temple, everything can be built by the thought and the hands of a man. The, the, we can create rockets that go to space. We can create homes that hold people. But for the temple, which is supposed to be most holy... It needs that extra seventh hand. Do you think it's ironic that the number seven represents God's completed work? For us to be able to build a home, raise a family in the 21st century, which is getting harder and harder, to have a healthy marriage, to have a church that is led, we have to have that seventh hand. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says this. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. I was lucky enough and be blessed enough to have parents that forced me to do things against my will. Church wasn't always this cool with all these lights and this cool music. I'll tell you, I used to listen to rap all the time, and we'd come in here and listen to not rap. It's like the exact opposite. 
When I was young, can you pull up that next photo? We had this thing from Pizza Hut. You guys remember this thing? It's called Book It. I was young, and, and we got to read books, you know, and, and uh, my parents uh, went and asked the people that are in charge of Book It in, in, in Excelsior if I could read books of the Bible <laughs> and count it. Yeah. People were reading, like, Goosebumps, you know, like scary books. They were reading Harry Potter, and I read every book of the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I hated it at the time, but if you bring up Proverbs 22 again, start off with children in the way they should go, and then when they are old, they'll catch sharks and preach to people. We used to sing songs. One of my dad's favorites was, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives. And then I'm teaching my kid, like, Kiki, do you love me? Do you ride it? I'm like, all right, so what are we teaching our kids? I'm a student pastor, and so I get to see a lot of people raising their kids, and and I watch, I'm like, well, my dad never did it that way. Now, moving to Florida, I realize we're a little bit more weird than most people because we believe in the family, and we believe in God being in our family. And some people will say weird things like, oh, I get my Jesus at the beach. I'm like, well, that's not really how it works. Kiki, do you love me? So that's the good stuff. The bad stuff, seventh hand in my life. There was this one time I was in seventh grade, ironically, number seven. You'll find out that irony doesn't happen with Jesus. But I got this great idea. See, I was a pastor's kid, and there was another pastor's kid in town. Uh, his name was Jason. He's my buddy, and we did everything together. And uh, so I, I, one day I'm like, you know what? Everybody thinks I'm a goody two-shoes pastor's kid. I'm going to show everybody what's up. So I worked up. I had this mirror in my room, and I'm walking back and forth listening to my Dr. Dre and Tupac and Eminem and some weird stuff, you know, and walking back and forth. Tomorrow, I'm going to be a cusser. I'm changing, and I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to show them <laughs> how manly I am. So I get to lunch, and I'm working myself up, you know, sit my lunch down, and I go to the bathroom, and I'm walking, looking at myself, like, you know, <sighs> trying to think of, like, every Eminem song, like, sp spaghetti on my sweater already, you know, like, and uh, so I go and sit down, and I have a perfect lined out story made up, if uh, you can believe. I'm like, so... I got home after school yesterday. My mom told me I had to clean my room. And I was like, you know what? You shut your effing mouth. And then they were all like, and I was like, and it didn't happen, you know, obviously, but uh, I might not have a mouth if I did. So I, I went in there, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to mess this stupid POS up. I'm going to mess it up. I threw my stuff all over it. I finished my whole story. And nobody said anything. 
until after lunch, like my buddy Jason, he was, you know, he, he, he spoke all the time, but this time he didn't speak. And like at the end, he walked over and he gave me like the, uh, I come over and like, what up? <laughs> what up? <laughs> and he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? And I'm like, bro, this is the new me. The new improved, baby. How you like it? And he's like, it's stupid. It's not, it's not working. It's like, it might work for me. It's not working for you. But that's that seventh hand. So you start off the children in the way they should go. And then when we are separated from the people that are leading us, when we get out there, there's going to be some odd seventh hand that's just not going to make it work. That's the way it was with alcohol for me. And this wasn't in my house. And so I would go to parties, and I'd be like, yeah, hey, give me one of them, you know, and be like, hold it, and be like, this just ain't for me. I feel weird. I feel weird. And so I had that extra seventh hand in my life. So the cubit of the man's hand gets to create and build. John, 28, John 10, 28 says this. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Have you ever had one of those moments in your life where God takes you away from a situation that is unhealthy? Oddly, just some occurrence. That's that seventh hand. There's a story in the Bible of Elijah. I know you guys have heard this a couple weeks ago because I listen to your podcast and make sure your pastors are teaching you the truth. There's a famine in the, in the land, and Elijah, God calls Elijah up to the, the mountain and says, I need you to pray for rain. So he goes, and he gets in the birthing position, prays, 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 and he sends his servant out to the side of the mountain, says, go check and see if you see anything. And he comes back one time, nothing. Wow, okay, God, and he runs up, sends off. The, 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 the servant, he runs back two times, nothing. Three times, nothing. You know, I think sometimes we pray for things, but we never go and search and look what God is doing. We live in a world where it's really easy to become a recluse. It's super easy to pretend like you're being social by being on social media. It's easy to... Just find yourself after work. You know what? It's 5 o'clock. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to go find myself alone. You know, the, Jesus, when he died and he went to heaven, he, he said, I have to leave so that you can have something better. That's called the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the paraclete, which means the comforter. The comforter. What are we replacing comfort in our life? We are turning to social media, we're turning to alcohol, we're turning to parties. Sometimes we'll even go to church. We'll turn, we'll turn to church in replacement of the paraclete. It's comfortable to come in here with everyone you know until the pastor stomps on your feet or your toes, hurts you, tells you to give. Oh, I'm uncomfortable now. We have to live through. So, uh, so Elijah sends out six times. 
The Bible says on the seventh time. He sends his person out. He walks out there, and what does he say? I saw something. What was it? A cloud in the shape of a man's hand. The seventh time, the seventh hand, the comforter. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to read chapter, or chapter 5, 9 through 14. There's a story of Naaman. There's a general in the army, and he's got leprosy. So he sends for Elisha. This is Elisha. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the end of the door at Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to send to, send to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Have you ever had God tell you to do something in your circumstance, and then you got frustrated because it wasn't really the answer you were expecting? But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out and come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hand over me, over the spot, and cure, and cure me of leprosy. You ever just expected to God to just wave his hand over your problem and it'd be fixed? Are not Abana and Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in something clean? <laughs> Told him to go out to the river like Lake Mauer out there, Lake Manure. <laughs> Couldn't I wash in something better? Send me the elms. So he turned and went out off in rage. I've been in that position before. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done that or done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. As the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Can you imagine, like, the frustration? He's already angry. He said it. And he's going to go out to the river, and what is he going to just do? One, two, three, four, still itch, five, six. I'm sure he got the six, and he's just like, this is stupid. And, the, and his servant guy's like, he said seven. He dumps one more time, and then he has uh, skin clean like that of a young boy. I'd like to have my son's skin. He's got that, like, nice olive skin, you know. I'm starting to get, like, freckles everywhere. Without the seventh hand, Elisha would still be in a drought. Naaman would still have leprosy. Without the seventh hand, David would probably be still swinging, swinging a slingshot. David's just a regular boy. Moses would probably still be standing at the Red Sea. Paul would still be killing Christians. Daniel would be eaten by lions. Samson would be still strapped to two pillars. Three boys would be still in the burning in the fire. Lazarus would still be dead. Joshua would be walking around Jericho. How many times did he walk around Jericho? Seven. On what day? Seventh day, that's kind of weird. Do what you can do, and God will do what you can't do. 
We live in a world that we are reliant on our own hands. When we were living in Excelsior, sometimes Jessica Grandpa would be like, well, just fix it yourself. Go do this yourself. Go do that yourself. And I'm like, you know what? I'm trying to be patient. I'm trying to do what they say, wait on the Lord. And you just find yourself being anxious, whether it be your marriage or your kids. You know, there's things called four seasons. There's seasons for it on purpose, right? Not every kid's going to grow up being a saint. I've got four kids. Three of them are saved. The youngest has still not found Jesus. Pray for me. I say if nobody beats her to it, she's going to be the first woman president. She's got something in her blood. She can just tell you what to do. She'll find the Lord. I'm raising her up. Let me introduce you to the seventh hand. There's a uh, wrap up here in a couple seconds. I was going to put it up there, but I forgot. There's a poem called Footprints in the Sand. You heard this nonsense? You ever seen people post stuff on Facebook? It's like a, it's like a proverb, like a Chinese proverbs. You know, like vegetarian mean lousy hunter. Uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Sorry, I have a ticket on Tuesday. If you're new, if this is your first time, come back. My dad's much more gentle. <laughs> Footprints in the sand. It's cute, but it's not God. They talk about how when I'm going through sandy waters or something and you see two footprints and then you turn around and you see not two footprints and it just means you carried me. That's not how it works in trouble. That's not how it works with God. Isaiah chapter 41, and we're going to read chapter 41 and verse 10 and verse through 13. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. I don't know what you're going through today, but I've been through some stuff. Josh, can you come up here for a second? I think you're going to miss something here in this whole thing. It's three verses. <clears throat> the Bible talks about, or actually the people, society talks about uh, the, the, sand, the, the sand, the footprints in the sand nonsense. So it, it looks a little bit like, can you skip with me? It looks a little bit like this, right? Okay. And then like there's two, and then I'm not going to pick you up. Could you pick me up? No, I'm just kidding. That's what it looks like. And they say, when you're experiencing trouble, 
in your marriage, with your kids, with your job, with whatever it is, that's what it's supposed to look like. And then just Jesus whisks you away, you know, like that's just, just, oh, it's just one post. And then you post it or you say it or you feel it. And then you go home and you find comfort in something other than the Holy Spirit. You use your six hand breaths and then you get to the end and you just find something to fill the void because we can't figure out how to turn it to God. And so that's what it's like. But, it, no, stay right, stay up here. You can come over here a little bit closer to the Bible. <laughs> so, can we go back to verse 10 and verse, uh, verse 10 and we'll go read through 13. I want to I read it again. I'll read it a little quicker, but I'm, I, want, I want you to see something. So do not fear, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous, what? Right hand. All who rages against you will surely be ashamed and discreet, uh, uh, disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as of nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. You, those who wage war against you will be nothing as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your what? And says to you, do not fear. Now, when we skipped, I was holding your left hand, turn around, with my right hand. The verse says, when you're dealing with trouble and fear and whatever it is, this is not what this looks like. It says, I will take my righteous right hand and I will what? Hold your right hand. This is what it looks like when God reaches his hand out to you. This is what it's like when God tries to fix your problems. You might be walking away like this, and when you turn to God, God's like, no, 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 no. And you might turn away, and you might say, well, I'm going to try to do this on my own, find comfort. And God's like, no, 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 right? Okay, you can go have a seat. But then he's like, no, 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 Thank you, Josh. We have to do what we can do before God will do what we can't do. If we try and try and try and try again, whatever it is, he says, do what you can do. Go seek counseling. Go do this. Go whatever you can do. And at the end, when you feel like you've reached the end, God is there to reach out his hand and meet you face to face. And unless we get to the point in our lives where we really trust God in our job, we really trust God with our friendships, we really trust God with our marriages, right? Then we are going to come up with six handfuls of nothing. Can you imagine if Elijah would have stopped at six? What if Naaman would have stopped at six? I know a lot of people in this life that are mad at God because they stopped at six. And God was like, I had it right there for you. If you just would have tried one more time, one more time. The number seven is the number of God's completion. Oftentimes, I think of um, Adam and Eve, and I'm like, man, that woman should not have eaten that fruit. Just kidding. And I think, you know, God, why didn't God just start over? He had two people. I mean, he, he did it later with Noah. It's like two people nobody would ever known, right? They didn't even have, like, paper yet. Why didn't he start over? 
because I feel like God is in the business. He's not in the business of replacing broken things. He's in the business of fixing broken things. He takes things, and when you've done everything you can, you've tried whatever you can try, and you turn to the Lord, he's there with his righteous right hand. Reverse back to 10. In the midst of all your enemies, if you feel dismayed, you feel like you have no strength, his righteous hand is right there. Go to 12, 11. If you feel like you have any rage or ashamed or disgraced, those who oppose you will perish. Though you search for enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be nothing at all. Does that mean he's going to wipe them off the face of the earth? No. It means when he grabs your right hand and you have his right hand, you don't notice it. You ever, like, I, I meet people, I'm like, how can you just be okay? Dad would have, you know, like, he would have people talk bad on him, and he would just hug him, love on him, this, that, and the other. I'm like, what are you doing? That dude said something about you. Like, let's go. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, my focus is right here. The issue doesn't even exist. And I believe when I decided to accept this position in Florida, I was driving a dump truck at the time, and um, I, I felt like God talked to me. I thought, someday my dad's going to pass away. <laughs> and then, hopefully, like 100 years later, I'll pass away. And when I get to heaven, however many years after my dad's passed away, I'm still probably going to have to stand in line from the people that he's impacted. And I realized that I wanted my legacy to be the idea that no matter what went on around me, I trusted on God's righteous right hand. And no matter whatever happened in my own personal life, God was the most important. And when, like Proverbs said, you train up a child in the way they should go, later they will not depart from it. That's what I want to have my kids to be. He's got five kids that are all in the ministry. He's got like seven or eight grandkids that are already in the ministry. And that's what I want my legacy to be. When it comes trouble, when it comes trying, whenever you're dealing with whatever you're dealing with, just understand, do what you can do. And then that, that, inf that infinite left or right hand, seventh hand, left or right, whatever. I'm left-handed, so Jesus is going to have to grab my left hand with his left hand. Do what you can do, and then God will do what you can't do. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, I thank you for this passage. Thank you for unwrapping it well, helping us understand that our temple is holy. Our body is holy unto you. We thank you for giving us the examples in the Bible of Noah and all these people that used cubits. Lord, I pray that as we go on in our lives that if we experience any kind of trouble, you'd be with us. That you would take our right hand and interrupt our walk. Fix us. Interrupt our lives to help us understand that 
what we're dealing with is very small compared to what we're going to deal, deal with. And that as we take steps with you, that you're going to be with us face to face. Help us focus on you and accept your seventh hand in our lives. We thank you for it in your name. Amen.